Watch Podcast. everyone it's been a long time coming hasn't it welcome to episode number 20 we got there of Hodge John Nodge how are you all doing I hope you're all well if any of you are watching live because I have done this at lunchtime in the hope that we can scoop up some of the Canadian fans who are maybe watching on their lunch break or doing whatever you do at lunch in, in a real job these days me and Michael work in journalism so lunchtime's not really lunchtime is it Michael Hello everyone. Uh, nah, so I timed that well, didn't I? Eat desk. So yeah, and now my desk's at home. That's really the only difference. <laughs> That's fun. I'm in Harry Potter's broom cupboard, basically the cupboard under the stairs at uh, Private Drive. That's that's my current location. I think <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? Right. Okay. So what happened was in the NCFC social that we have on Fridays that people who consume all of mine and Michael's stuff for for some of it are, are misguided enough to do all of it. Um, <laughs> we'll know we do the NCFC socials on a Friday. And this was an idea that kind of germinated through that because one of the things that came up in my head was what happens with Stuart Weber's future and, and the whole sporting structure around the football club, depending on whether we stay up or get relegated. Hello, Chaz Tats. We're doing well. Anyone else who's watching, please say hello in the chat. If you've got any questions, then do please get in touch with them. We're going to make this quite quick fire, but I, th I think I think it's a a good time to ask the question because there's an argument to be made that Norwich City can stay up. There's an argument to be made that we're more likely to go down. I'm still probably leaning towards the latter, but it's great to be in the position where either or could happen. But what I want to know is how much hinges on that? How much hinges on whether we go down or stay up? What could the future look like? And I, th I think one of the, the, the things that came up in the when we did mention it in the NCFC social, Michael, is we're still kind of purely in the realms of speculation with this. This is just going to be the, the best guesstimation that me and you can make. But you're well plugged into the Canary Matrix, mate. So um, hopefully, hopefully you can elucidate slightly and uh, probably from a far more informed position than I can. But I think it's first off, right, journal to journal, if you like, is uh, although people said I'm not a journal just because I didn't know a substitute when I was busy burying myself in NBA. Anyway, regardless really? of that. Oh, I've missed uh, loads of substitutes. Uh, me honestly, I didn't notice Ida wasn't in the bench. Oh, you're meant to be a journal, man. Right. Well, I have um, I have a gesture that I could make to those people, but anyway, not that that bothered me. Um, <laughs> is is this a valuable question to ask? Is what I was going to ask you. Like, do do you think do you think it's a, a useful time to start maybe thinking about what the future might look like? Because everything in football goes in cycles, and I feel that we're definitely past the halfway stage and maybe heading towards the end of this particular cycle at Norwich City in terms of the way the structure of the club looks. Would you concur with that? I think um, I think we spent a lot of time over the first... I mean, so this current era really is the sort of the Stuart Webber era, really. Him arriving at the club is what altered the way that the club was Definitely. being run day to day. And obviously Daniel Farker then follows as, as head coach, and, and now we have Dean Smith. So I think you have to kind of take it from 20... 
20, April 2017 onwards, really. Um, and I think through all that period, there's always been a bigger picture. There's always been a, an essence of what the club is trying to do in the longer term that extends beyond the current season you're in and whatever the current ups and downs and um, uh, idiosyncrasies of the form are and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, this period now feels like it's less about the bigger picture. It's almost like, uh, you know, I th clearly the club will know and will have an idea of what their plans are going forwards. But I, I feel like they're probably a bit more... Um, established from past years so therefore a little bit less focused on and almost in the background um yeah but when you say that as well like if you look at football and identity as one there's definitely been an agreement to compromise on that with the objective of survival because we're not playing an expansive particularly attractive style of football although i think um, attractive football extends as far as scoring goals and winning football matches. <laughs> at least, at least we're showing more, more, more of doing that. But there has been a bit of a compromise in some areas of what that original vision looked like. Or you could think, argue it's evolved. I think there were. I think there was under Daniel uh, because um, under Daniel Farker, essentially, he got caught between two, two probably different posts, which was a can you keep hold of your identity but b can you also be better in the premier league um so and and in the end he, he managed to do neither essentially um so i i think they were i think it would have been a fair ac accusation if this year uh nothing had changed and no one had improved you'd be like well what on earth was the point of that so you have to assume that they would have changed some things and i didn't don't really have an argument uh, or an issue with them trying to be a bit more pragmatic in the Premier League because I think it would be foolhardy to think Norwich could come up, play the same football, and and survive. Really, I, I don't. I think Leeds have kind of managed it, but they've they did it with spending a lot of money on some really key players, and I think that is obviously beyond Norwich, so they can't really do that. Or they've chosen to make sort of wider squad improvements on a lower bracket of player, so therefore probably a smaller increase in quality um but less risk on you know one or two players being uh, missing out through injury or whatever so no. um so yeah I, I mean i'm i'm it's it's been very quiet and i think at the moment i do feel like there is a the bigger picture is kind of um under a blanket and everyone's just hoping that norwich actually stay up because that's been the goal that's been the goal they've worked for for four years i wrote a piece on the athletic about it you know this is this is it really this is for, for four or five years of the plan, which is would be five, isn't it? That the idea was eventually to establish yourselves in the Premier League. And I don't know what things look like. It's why probably that the initial question is so hard to answer because um, I don't really know what it looks like if they don't manage to stay up this year because the big carrot that everything has been built around is trying to earn promotion. And if, if you can't manage to make it stick for, for, for at least a second season on both attempts... What, what's the carrot next year if you're relegated, um, mm. albeit with different, you know, people? Uh, you know, there, there are players who have done a lot of that work in getting Norwich to where they are, um, but they'll be so much older and further down, and they may have different priorities. Even looking at someone like Tamu Puki, who is theoretically out of contract in the summer, but Norwich have an option for another 12 months, you know. Does it want to do another year in the championship? I mean, it's a lot of goals, but maybe yeah. you're like, why do you want to work towards Premier League? I don't know. It's probably not even up to him I, personally. I think, so. I think if you're Timo Fuki, at that stage you go, right, like, 
I've probably got maybe, especially with the, the dynamism he plays with, a few good years left in my legs. I maybe want a different challenge. I maybe want European football. I maybe want it. You know, like, that's why I mentioned it as a cycle. Because I think I think as a cycle, I can see this coming coming to an end. And I think when it came in, it was it was obviously, it was a, it was a pretty, maybe not innovative, but it was a bold manoeuvre from the club to basically give the keys to this guy and say, look, you can run our football club. And obviously there's been somewhat of a succession plan put in place with Neil Adams being the assistant sporting director now. My, now, I don't know Neil personally. You you probably do, I would imagine. Um, and I know he's a favourite with people as much for what he did with the youth team, his commentary, all of that sort of stuff. Um, Neil Adams is, is very well thought of in, in Norfolk and around, I was going to say these parts I'm, I'm not in these parts but these <laughs> these metaphorical parts um, he's, he's very well thought of do I think he's got the chops to be a sporting director? Prove me wrong Neil but no, unless this shadowing has been very a very very intensive period of education where he's soaking loads up, I would rather have seen Kieran Scott, for example, be the person that had been shadowing Stuart Webber because that's someone who comes from a recruitment background. Neil Adams doesn't come from a recruitment background. I mean, he's done just about every job at the football club. Granted, sporting director's probably the next natural step in many ways. Um, But I don't think... I would rather have seen someone be kind of anointed who who came from that that type of background if you see what i mean and i think that's that's my my grave concern because uh, i mean again coming back to this this point of the cycle if at the end of that cycle the natural thing to happen is that Stuart Weber then goes right somebody else's turn i need a new challenge i think for his own personal stock as well I think if Norwich City go down this time, there's loads of mitigating circumstances you can claim. Obviously, COVID, um, the way that that's affected the game, the the just I think the increase in disparity between the Championship and the Premier League has gone on leaps and bounds. Like even if you take it from when his Huddersfield team went up, he left and they actually stayed up for a season. That wouldn't happen now. A squad of that quality wouldn't stand a cat's chance in hell of staying in the Premier League now because the difference is just so extreme. So I think there's loads that Stuart Webber can claim, and I think he'll still be maybe not quite Champions League level thought of as Henry Winter once sort of dubbed him, but he's going to get a job at a really high level of football club and a much bigger club than Norwich City after this. I don't think that's in any doubt. But I think to safeguard that from his personal perspective, and we've got to remember that as much as people at football clubs care about how the club's doing and all of that, these these are personal individuals who have their own ambitions who are going to be thinking, right, how can I make sure that my next challenge is one that I, I want and enjoy? And I, I think from that perspective, <laughs> I mean, Stuart Webber, I, I don't think we're going to see Stuart Webber at Norwich City for a great deal longer. If he doesn't leave at the end of this season, I think it'll be during the middle of next season, that's just I don't know when to corroborate that that's just just, just my natural kind of instinct on the issue uh, and I think at that point I begin to ask right okay, 
all of the nuts and bolts in terms of our boxes have been ticked in terms of what a succession plan might look like. But what is it going to look like? If we do stay in the Premier League, essentially you would assume it's going to be Neil Adams that will take the reins, someone who's never really, correct me if I'm wrong here, Michael, never really been a recruitment guy. I know he's done the loan manager thing, but that's not bringing players in. That's making sure that their development continues when they go out, which granted is a vital part of the role as well. But what's, and, and obviously the relationship, the interrelationship you have with other clubs is an important facet of that. And I'm sure Neil Adams is, is, is quite well connected in that regard. But surely we need someone that's got the recruitment chops for it. And I mentioned in that NCF Soyce social the other day, the amount of people we've lost, we've lost Kieran Scott, Chris Jones, who are both vital, vital cogs in that recruitment that saw us like fly out the championship, having spent basically no money at all, you know, and assembled a, a superb squad that played great football. So I just, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the future of the football club in terms of what it's going to look like. And actually, regardless of whether we stay up or go down, because even if we do stay up, Stuart Weber's going to probably be looking at it and going, right, okay, so I've kept you up. That was always my intention. How much further can I take it with no money? Look at Newcastle, the way that they're spending just to get out of the bottom three, right? I mean, and then Burnley for another example of how you hit a plateau for so long and then that just becomes unsustainable and then you fall out of the league again and then that cycle starts again. And that comes back to the endemic problems with English football. Hi to everyone that's saying hello in the comments, by the way. Hi, Radio Floyd. Hi, everyone else. Um, you're very welcome for the stream, Caligari. Caligari. Hi, sorry, I'm turning this into a monologue, mate. I'm just, <laughs> but I'm, yeah. I'm concerned. Can you get? I've brought up a few things there. Pick out what you want and and run run with the ball. Yeah, well, I think um, I, I I think any Norwich fan would be remiss to think that there's any situation where Norwich get up to the Premier League and then become established and never go down again. <laughs> and, I mean, Newcastle spending a lot of money to get out of the bottom three is kind of just a a freak situation where a really big club has been bought by a, you know, a, a Middle East state and they are now going to be one of the richest clubs in, in world football. So, um, you know, Watford didn't spend a shed load of money um, and neither did Burnley. In fact, they made a pro net profit. Mm -hmm. um, so... I think I think there needs to be a self-awareness from anyone who supports Norwich City of what the club is and, and where it is. And, and maybe some people don't like that self-awareness um, and they want Norwich to just spend a bit more money. Um, it's hard on, on the first season going up because there is obviously this idea that Norwich have to protect themselves from, from getting relegated, which I think means they don't spend as much as some supporters would like them to, to do or feel that they could do. Um, but they will always, you know, tie up the accounts and make sure there's a point as to why they have done that. And that's kind of their decisions. And they have to just make sure they're taking the supporters on board when they make them. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, I completely agree with you in terms of whether Norwich stay up or, or go down. Uh, the recruitment will be fascinating because it's going to be very different recruitment. I think if Stuart Webber's still at the club, then you've at least got someone heading it up who does know recruitment and um, the team underneath him and the agent's conversations and things, it's all kind of similar to what he's had to do before and he'll be the one ultimately making the decisions. And just like really the summer window, 
um, the majority of that responsibility is going to come down to to him. Um, I don't know what Joe Weber's future looks like. Um, when he spoke about it at the AGM, he he made the point that his new contract was going to allow him to sit down every year and be able to mm -hmm. work out if you know in 12 months time that was going to be it so if he got to this summer and said that was it that would not really factor in with how he said he was managing it so i don't expect him to leave this summer i think it'd probably be more tempting for him to leave if norwich stayed up because it is kind of like job done away you go um but you know it's also very difficult to get Norwich back up again for a third time if you get relegated. So I'm just envisaging Stuart Webber staying and, and ultimately he'll only know in his head what he's planning to do or where his ambitions lie. I, I, I've i always felt this niggle that of, of whether his ambitions really do lie with football and get, you know, and making everything about football or whether it's elsewhere and away from the game or I, I don't know. I'm, again, I'm I, th I think, I think life does factor into it. I think, I, I think him going abroad, uh, obviously the COVID situation may have changed things, but uh, my understanding was that definitely at one point in time, the next move, for Stuart Webber would have been abroad, which is good news for Norwich City from the perspective that we don't really want somebody else domestically poaching him necessarily, although it's probably going to be a team operating at a, a higher level than than we are. I, I just, I, I, my, my concern is I don't want Norwich City, who I think have now established a sporting model which works, right? I don't want it then to become and made, it's been a very international feel to it. It's been a very modern, progressive type of approach, which flies in the face of all the sleepy old Dorfolk and doddery old Delia and all, all of this sort of nonsense rhetoric you get from the outside. But my concern is if Stuart Webber goes and he's no longer spearheading and driving that because he has been, he's been the man at the forefront, he has been the man, right? Neil Adams comes in. Neil Adams has got such a history with the football club that it becomes more than just about what he is as the sporting director. He's almost accountable for the time that he was in charge of the club as manager. For like, do you see what I mean? For his his playing time with the club, it becomes a bit more than that. And I think my concern is that if you if if you've got an insider, if you like taking over. And an insider that's got so much history with the club in other ways, I think that in some ways almost kind of blurs the clarity of what the model actually is. And I yeah. think, yeah. I if you do that moving forward, that seems dangerous to me. What's interesting? I mean, when Neil when Neil first got the assistant sporting director job, I think everyone was like, and me included. All oh, right, so that's the succession plan sorted, and and there you go. Um, Neil's a great guy. I've dealt with him a lot. Um, I've got so much time for him um, as a as a person. I think he's great. Um, I have noted, but, but but you know, when he got that job, I think people did kind of come back and say, no, don't don't assume that this is him just taking over from me when I leave, for or taking over from Stuart Webber when he leaves. And um, actually, it's, it's been interesting that quite a few Premier League clubs have brought in assistant sporting directors recently um, just to, Again. Sort of, to carry that load and not all of them with that succession plan in mind. Um, 
So obviously Brighton are losing Dan Ashworth, which is really interesting. And that mm -hmm. also makes me think, you know, in terms of recruiting a sporting director, it's quite, it's such a specialized position that has to have such a, such a close relationship with the owners, but also the head coach. And there's a lot that has to mesh to have the right sporting director that, you know, mm. there's a few roles that have come up and, you know, no one's really pursued Stuart um, strongly that we know of to to get him. Um, uh, I, Everton uh, have been in that position, Newcastle, obviously Brighton now as well. So uh, uh, he did have an offer from Germany at one point that he rebuffed. Indeed. Um, and that sort of opens up the question as to whether he would want to go to go abroad and, and where his ambitions lie. And again, we're, we're talking on someone's behalf and we don't know the answer and only he'll know really what he's thinking. So, um, but so I, I just, I, I do, I wouldn't necessarily assume that Norwich wouldn't bring in someone externally should they need someone. No, that, that, that's an Stuart. interesting point. I've maybe, I've maybe been a bit myopic in my thinking then just that assistant sporting director means Neil Adams will move up. Perhaps he's just the, the bridge between one sort of hierarchy head figure and another. Because the idea of Neil Adams remaining assistant sporting director and then another external figure with experience in the role and experience in recruitment coming in, I would be a lot more comfortable with that. Uh, personally, I think that would be that would be a better way to go. Ollie Starlin's come up with a good question, which is relevant to the discussion, and says, would Zoe move with Weber as his wife? Yes, <laughs> is the answer to that question. But that also brings up the 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 subject of of what Zoe brings to the the executive team and 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 her own experience. That's going to be a tough thing for Norwich City to replace. And as good as the internal appointments have been, and and obviously we've built up a really good scouting data analysis team, all of that kind of stuff at Colney. I think that having so many internal appointments, and obviously it's good to have internal promotion. Almost that ability of having other voices in the room is lost because you have climbed up the pyramid rather than coming in at a level where you feel that you can challenge maybe. And I think that's something that's maybe been lost from Norwich City with all of the people that have left that I mentioned and, and members of the executive committee as well at Ben Kensel and the like have, have all kind of moved on. So it's almost like you maybe need a few more voices just to just to challenge and just to to offer a bit more of that kind of thing, um, and yeah, I, I think I, that's going to be I think that's going to be the case when when someone new comes in, but currently as well. Yeah, I think they they have lost a lot of people and a lot of bigger voices, and um, it does uh, it does interest me how things look like if they don't because they 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 want to develop people. I, I think they, they they look they look to promote people from within and then give them responsibility and see if they can develop, and I think they like that holistic idea of of developing talent inside the football club in numerous different roles not just in terms of on the football pitch in terms of players of course but you have to sort of see how that works and and if that then bears fruit so uh you know but i, I um, think with any business michael it's a combination of internal and external appointments isn't it it's great to have that internal thing of yeah we grow our own people and they can rise up and and assume that responsibility it's great to have good academy players right um, to, in terms of the on-the-field thing. If your team's lacking goals, you buy a goal scorer. Well, <laughs> if you've got the money, you buy a goal scorer from elsewhere, you bring them in, and that external sort of person coming in can 
can can add something new, add new perspective, add new this and that. And it's the same in the staff roles at the club. It's the same in the world of business. I think you need to have that balance right. And I think Norwich City have maybe gone too far down the route of growing internally, just in, in, of, for, from my own point of view. Yeah, well, it's, it's hard because we don't know every appointment that's being made. Um, and, you know, just from the finance We, we know team. the major ones, though. And, I mean, for example, in the executive team, um, there wasn't a replacement there wasn't a replacement no. for Ben Kensel's role. That struck me as a very interesting decision that wasn't really talked about much at the time. I think that became a quite a difficult role to to bring in, though, didn't it? I mean, who who is going to come in as a chief operating officer in a three-person exec committee where you're also working with a husband and wife? I mean, it's yeah. a really... It, it was all right it becoming organic from where Norwich were and them evolving into that, but to actually appoint someone into that framework, I think is very difficult. So, um, yeah, I think in that in that term, it, it's it's a bit it's a bit trickier. But I, I mean, I you know the, the proof in the pudding is how the club's going to be managed. I, I I suppose with our, I don't feel, I don't feel necessarily. It, Maybe it's a bit reactionary, but I it's it's up to them to prove that they are making the right decisions and that the club is better off for it, um, rather than me sitting here telling them that they need to run it differently. So, um, <laughs> but they, you know, they they that it, we're kind of all conscious of what that looks like. And I think that's similar with recruitment. I mean, I, I worry about how that that looks and and the, this, the the framework that they're trying to operate in now in terms of recruiting players. I worry how that's going to look in the summer. But if they produce five out of eight you know, signings that um, help them to the championship title again, then I would be talking rubbish. So you kind of have to let let it play out to a degree, but know that the scrutiny will be on them to get it right and that it was their decision to have that framework. Um, yeah. No, that's true. In terms of how the future looks then, we, we mentioned about whether it would be Neil Adams stepping up to the main role or, or an external appointment. I know that there's there's going to be absolutely no um, sort of goss, eh, not Jeremy goss, gossip. <laughs> or, um, <laughs> Love Jeremy goss. Uh, oh, he's my favourite sort of goss. He is. I think he's my favourite sort of goss yeah. as well. Definitely hot off, in terms of hot goss off the press, I prefer looking at Norwich City scoring goals against Bayern Munich than I do the BBC Transfer Rumours page. For example, but anyway, um, no, the, I, I know, the, the winning goal at Anfield in front of the cop, which would be oh, which would be nice. Cop that trips. Um, no, I think the I've kind of lost the thread. Of sorry, my, I, I'm not sorry. Right. I do this to you and your podcast all the time, That's so true. it must be great that to get the chance to be on fire. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, I think, by the way, thanks for coming on. I, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you that has to be said like it's, it's good it's good to get um it's good to get your perspective man and um I, I think obviously we said about half past we were going to wrap up so i want to kind of wrap up the discussion just by looking at how much hinges on premier league survival and relegation how much do you think obviously we know about the finances we know about uh, the 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 carrot of the Premier League and the fact that a lot of players, if they go down again, will probably be like, right, we've had enough of this yo-yo and we want to move, right? We know about all the kind of obvious elements of it, but what about the bigger stuff? What about the the sporting model, the hierarchy of those in charge at the football club? How much do you think staying up 
or going down will factor in to the decisions that these people make in the summer? Do you think it will be part of it or do you think it will be a primary constituent of it? No, I think um, I do not see it as a summer of significant change regardless whether Norwich go up or down. I might, again, I might be proven completely wrong on that. I don't see it like that. I think the, the, the issue probably comes if when, you know, if Norwich can't get back up or if there, it becomes an issue then and the club are heading out of parachute payments and then they're sort of in the championship properly and then what happens? Um, I think it becomes a bit trickier because as they've kind of admitted themselves, the, 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 one of the biggest drivers in these four years has been developing talent and selling them on for huge amounts of money, which is helped when you're in the Premier League because you can say this guy has played in the Premier League, he's worth this much. Um, if you're not and those talents aren't going to do that, then you can't charge as much money. You know, Ultimately, you're going to be limited to a ceiling that is probably capped by the best teams in the Championship, which you wouldn't be because you would be in you know mid-table. So... Um, you know, Norwich have been happy. Uh, Norwich have worked hard and been in a situation where they've benefited from being in the Premier League in terms of their entire model. Um, I worry what happens when that that um, that edge they've had from playing in the Premier League is is lost, and that's why there will be pressure if they go down on those two two or three seasons. I think if they stay up, um, I don't think much changes because the the second season well, the expectation probably goes up. The second season in the Premier League is going to be no easier. You're kind of hoping that players that have played this year will be will be better for it and better, you know, um, accustomed to the Premier League and, and will can continue the development that they clearly would have made to get to that point. And also some signings will improve the team. But I mean, Norwich won't be kicking off in that season, you know, not having to fight for survival from the very first kickoff. That's just the way it is. So um, I think um, I think as a club that that. It's it's what yeah it's it's what happens sort of in the time if they go down after that prolonged period that things need would would potentially have significant consequences. But I guess I, I feel like maybe that's why it's all quite it's weird. It's really weird. It feels like so much is geared towards staying up because that is what they have to achieve because that's what so much has been built towards, including last relegation. That's why I feel this discussion has but, to be had. But, and you're right, and it is, and you, you can't really second-guess decisions that get made when that happens. You know, people might go, all oh, right, I'm off. They, uh, screw it, I'm done. That that was perfect. I'm off. And they might not. Um, you know, so, but <laughs> I, I, maybe fundamentally, it's just the fear of what might happen. Oh, well, you're just... You, you, they just pop out. Your there. connection just went there. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. It maybe fundamentally what what the result is of staying up and go down sort of a year or two down the line. That's probably the, the bigger fear, but I don't know if anything intrinsically changes from what happens this year. It just maybe sets a course that you can kind of know where it's going to head. I suppose. I don't know if that's a real cop-out answer, but it's, uh, it's, it's a weird it's, situation. It is. And it's kind of fluid. And I can actually see us revisiting this at the end of the season. Actually, we'll do a State of the Nation, State of the Canadian Nation part two, because Canadian Nation seems to have become part of it, has pervaded the space. And I'm quite <laughs> happy to. I mean, I'm Americanized and everything. I'm wearing a Dallas Cowboys t shirt. And I've got, um, I think I've got seven up on my t shirt. That's Americans. Is it? That's great. I'll tell you what, seven up and Dallas Cowboys give us money. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's due. It's due. Yeah, so. well, give it to me and I'll share some with Michael. 
I'll buy him a cup of tea. Um, right, excellent stuff. I think we'll we'll kind of leave that there, mate. In fact, one last one. Dean Smith. Do you think he's bought in for the long term, regardless of whether there is change above him? Because I think he is. Yeah, good question. That um, and been asked it quite a lot. Um, I so does that not make it a not a good question because it's unoriginal? <laughs> no, I don't think so because it's on people's lips. It's a good question because people are asking it. Um, not many people can answer it, I guess. Maybe then, so no pressure here. That's just because uh, you're the oracle, mate. That's, uh, yeah, that's no, definitely, definitely not that. Um, so I, I break it down into three bits, probably in my head, which is that I mean, it will have been attractive to Norwich to recruit Dean Smith because he knows the championship and he's had success there. Um, so that's it's, you know they will want Dean Smith next year. The Norwich job in the championship is a is a really good job to have, I think, as a head coach. That's a you know that's a really oh, tempting yeah. job. Comes with a lot of expectation now because it you know, does expected yeah. to get promoted basically, and at the first time of asking, um, and so winning the title probably, and winning the title if you can, yeah, yeah. and maybe beat ninety seven points this time. So you get getting a lot of expectation with that job, but it's a plum one to have. So. Um, uh, Norwich see, would see Dean Smith as having the abilities to get them back up, definitely. Um, having known the squad and known what the club is about, yeah, and where to take I, would, them. I would think so. Um, I think Dean Smith came into the job saying himself he doesn't like not working. <laughs> so the idea that he would walk away from Norwich without somewhere to go to not work seems um, stupid, if I'm honest, mm -hmm. makes no sense. Uh, the issue you might have is if someone comes in and offers him a job that's better and 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 has more prospects, then maybe he has a question to discuss in his head. But that's such a hypothetical situation that don't I don't see that happening until he gets Norwich back up or keeps them up. So, um, so there's that. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that's it. Really, I I, I see him as as a real part of, the, and actually probably a really astute piece of um, recruitment. Um, that it is Dean Smith in charge because if there were changes above him, you, you'd feel that Dean Smith has the could quality, keep the ship on the leadership. Course. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Um, he may even know someone who could come in and would be a really good sporting director. So you just don't know. It's <laughs> all about the contacts, bro, in mm. that game and in ours. That I think I think that's a good point, and I think I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. But in Dean Smith, we do have someone in charge of the team. And the only thing, actually, I thought Daniel Farker was sacked far too late. Uh, the only thing that, that kind of indicates that is I'm not sure you would have got as good an appointment as Dean Smith had he not been bulleted by Villa, which happened, what, six days before it. Mm. So on that basis, it kind of... It kind of counterbalances itself. Um, tell you what, you get time for a couple of quick fan questions. Go for it. Right, first one, Finn Stevens. Do you think, and this is kind of departing from the the generalities of the discussion we've had. Do you think Brentford could realistically be dragged into the relegation strap? Uh, strap? I can't Definitely. speak today. <laughs> the relegation strap. Are they going to be strapped in? They're going to be strapped in and hooked back. Um, yeah, he says, I genuinely feel that's our only real chance of it, um, <laughs> of getting out of it now that Newcastle have seemingly spent their way out of trouble. So, yeah, think, can think, Brentford get dragged in? Yeah, Finn's hit across the main point, which is that they have to be. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I, what, what's becoming clear to me, I, I've sort of felt Norwich really need to target Brentford, and I've felt that probably since the turn of the year. Um, but now I'm conscious that I'm feeling that because there is no other option. Um, you know, Norwich are, what, six points behind them. They've got to play them at Carrow Road. So they have to beat them at Carrow Road, as far as I'm concerned. Um, A, because they need that 
as a victory and they in terms of the tally of victories are going to net, need to get to stay up but also they need to be, be beat brentford to bring them within three points theoretically um and yeah if we were as we were saying on the space the other day if we were to list three teams at norwich can finish above who they are better than i think brentford are that but we do a lot's going to depend on what uh christian erickson is on you know we all hope he's He's back and can play football because he's a brilliant player. He obviously went through a horrendous summer. We we all know that. Um, but it's a risk of a signing and it's the only one they made. And teams do get figured out second time around. So uh, I, they're on a wretched run. And I don't know if they look like getting out of it particularly, but Norwich will have to beat them. Um, so, yeah, for me, they're, they're crucial to it now. Because, yeah, Newcastle will get out of it as far as I'm concerned. Just on them being on a wretched run, I, I, I think... I think that's the and being figured out second time around. Sorry, I think that's one of the advantages Norwich City have got. We are surprising teams again because we have that new manager thing. There's there's not going to be many teams like Southampton's the only one I can think of um, that Dean Smith is going to face twice. Is that well, I mean, you, you probably well, we'll, we'll will be up to three times by the time we get to the end oh, of well, the season. I, <laughs> I know that's a good point. Um, but, but, I yeah. think that's probably it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean that's that's obviously a, a positive. Always Starling asked the, the Manchester United of a recall option in Williams. We know that's the end of the transfer window, so that's not gonna happen, but it does touch on something which which emerged, I think it was yesterday. Um Ralph Ranick has obviously been massively impressed with what he's seen at Brandon Williams, demanding that he goes back to to Manchester United. So I'm gonna slightly editorialize on, on all these questions just by asking. Um, do you think that's another check in the box of Norwich are a good club? Because obviously with the Billy Gilmore situation, it's kind of looking at the other way. Um, do you think it's a, a good sort of indication of Norwich, good club to send a young loan player to? Um, and I think we've had more hits than misses, especially uh, the likes of Skip and stuff. If people think Norwich are not a good club to send a loan player to, then they need to give their head a wobble. I mean, that's just part of the whole circus around Billy Gilmore. If loads of people have now decided Norwich are a rubbish place to send loan players to, there's just social media can be misguided. Uh, uh, I think, I think uh, those in charge of football clubs will look at the the greater body of evidence. Hundred percent. And Brandon's doing very well. Um, I have to say, amazingly. Um, and it's uh, it will be interesting what his uh, you know summer and next season looks like um so yeah but uh yeah who's, who's your player of the year as it stands right now um oh wow that's a big question that probably needs some thought um ah you've got to be quick it's, you've got it's difficult yeah, it's difficult because everyone's sort of being good in patches really um so you, you need someone who's done it consistently and i uh, i don't know I don't even know who I'd say I, who's done I it consistently. Think, I, I think if you're going in consistency, you're probably you had a couple of bad games, but you're probably looking at Grant Hanley. But I'm giving it to Brandon Williams for the the way that he's... I mean, I was going to give it to Matthias Norman, but it's been too big a gap unless he's a great end to the season now. Like, I, I think he's just been too long out with injury, which is unfortunate for him. Um, and I think he was the, the colossus in a failing Farka team. But I think Brandon Williams, for the fact that I think his attitude seems to have pervaded the rest of the squad, that's mm. the way that I'm leaning. Just before we finish up, Troops, if you've got any uh, suggestions, fire them in the chat very quickly, and I'll mention them before the end. But what about you, Michael? You, you got a conclusion on that? Yeah, Brandon is probably a good shout. I mean, I, and again, likewise, Max has been coming in for a bit of stick. He's made a few mistakes. But, you know, we still... 
in my mind, really as consistent good. as anyone. So, and he has played almost the entire season. So, um, yeah, I, it's a bit tricky giving it to a lone player, I think, as player of the season. But I don't know, maybe that's just me. Modern football, um, mate, isn't it? Some Man United player. And again, Norwich have basically been reliant on Timu Pukki's goals. <laughs> so, and he never gets a mention, does he? Um, I, what I would say is it's up for grabs. I think we've got, we've got, what, 15, 16 games or whatever. It's definitely up for grabs if someone can do something over those 16 games. I would say so. Um, I'm looking at you, Matthias Norman. I'm looking at you, Adam Ida. Because um, I think if Ida can go in a wee score... And Milo. Milo. Milo as well seems to be playing himself. There was that uh, one run where he carried the ball at such pace, with pace and grace. One of the best runs I've seen from an Norwich City player in, in a good few years now. Anyway, that wraps us up, Michael. Uh, is there anything that you want to tell people? I mean, people know who you are. It feels almost pointless asking you this question. Well, but where can people find you, Michael? I, I think um, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm on TikTok and YouTube. So, uh, oh, you do TikTok? How do you well, do that? Because I, I am I. 30 odd, right? And turned 33 at the weekend, right? And I'm just honestly, weekend just gone. Hi. Happy birthday. Um, I didn't know that. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Happy Happy birthday, Stu. Do you know what? I feel so. Cheers, mate. I've got nothing to cheers with. Um, I've got an empty, empty cup. There we go. I'll simulate. Good job. Lovely. Refreshing. Um, No, I think um, I I felt really old because see that moment when my mum brought through the cake, right? And she didn't put 33 candles on it because that would just have been ridiculous, right? So she'd won with a three and a three and I thought, oh, uh, just it felt old in that moment. Know what I mean? So you're talking uh, to a forty-year-old, so you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you look better. You you look better for it. You've done easier paper run. Bye. You're a forty-year-old that does TikTok. Oh, just just <laughs> no, quickly, it's sad, quickly, isn't it? really sad. quickly sum up for me why and how and what's the point of TikTok. Oh, I can't answer any of those questions, but I do a reel on Instagram and then I can copy that video and put it on TikTok. So that's why I do it. Oh, so it's just multitasking. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, no, that's in all great. honesty, TikTok is a hell of a lot of effort and you have to have a really creative mind. I can't bother to do all that stuff. So I'll just do, my, just do something and put it on there. And like me, a guy that just talks, right? You see this idea of miming. Ugh. Right, so that was that was nearly a swear. That was nearly an unbleeped swear. Um, how did you enjoy your editing of the last on the ball podcast? By the way, that must have been fun. Yeah, um, I had to cut great. out half of it. Yep, exactly. Fun, fun, fun. Uh, aye, no. So people can find you across the socials, right, mate? Yeah, to put my name in them, and I'll probably come up with a tip. Pe- people know that. In terms of me, you can find me down there. Um, if you have enjoyed this, please do share it, by the way, because I want people to start listening again, because I've not cracked out a podcast in about a month at least. Um, so, yes, please do start listening. Please appreciate that because I've got a very, very demanding new job. That's why I've not been doing Hodge on Nodge, but I still love it. I still love Norwich City, and I still love all of you. So, thank you very much, Michael. Love you, Stu. Um, love you, my man. Thank you very much to all of our loyal watchers and listeners. As I say, please do please do share, subscribe, tell your friends on the Ball City.